Rotarians, like everyone else these days, live busy lives. We have many commitments like jobs and our families that often take our attention and don't always make it easy for members to stay involved in Rotary. But what if you focused a club around flexible meeting times and family activities? Maybe you end up with a new kind of Rotary Club. Hi, I'm Corey Lepardi, Assistant Rotary Coordinator for Zone 27, and I'm here today with Eugene Awua, Charter President of the Modesto Flex Rotary Club in California, and District 5220 Past District Governor Liz Hosmer. Welcome, Eugene and Liz. Thanks for taking the time to share with me today about starting a new Rotary Club. Great. Happy well, to be here. Corey, thank you for having us. So tell me, Eugene, uh, what was your background in Rotary before starting this club? Uh, my Rotary background actually began because I was a, a pharmacy student in Ghana. I joined the, the local Rotaract club. And uh, after pharmacy school, I joined a community club, another Rotaract club. And um, a bunch of us from that club um, be became charter members of the Rotary club of, of Accra South. So I became a, a Rotarian in 2000, but my Rotary journey actually started in pharmacy school around the year 1992. Um, so, and then I came to the United States um, in the year 2003, and I transferred my Rotary membership to the Modesto Sunrise Rotary Club, very active in that club. And uh, over time, I was appointed to serve as a district membership chair District 5220. Um, my challenge, there's a sort of challenges that I saw in clubs as a membership chair for, for that three year period. And some of the seminars that I, I, I was privileged to be part of um, really, you know, spurred me to start this new club. And there was actually a, a, a seminar that uh, Liz Hosmer, who, who served as a district governor before and who was a, a club advisor. And she partnered with past district governor uh, Terry Bell, you know, to have a class called Turning Your Walls into Wows. So, you know, sitting in that class and, you know, and having taken note of all the things that I've, that I've taken note of as a three-year membership chair, that really brought to the fore the need that, you know, if I really wanted to make something new, you know, it's better off starting up with a new club. So we took, how do you take, how do you turn your walls into wows? And then all the other observations that, that I've encountered. And then we also did some kind of uh, um, focus group discussions where we interviewed existing Rotarians, past Rotarians about what they like in their club, what they like to see in their club, the do's and don'ts, you know, and then we put all, all, all of them together you know, into starting a new club. And Liz, what prompted the idea of this woes to wows and starting this new Rotary Club? Well, a lot of things were changing in Rotary at that time. It wasn't very long ago. And there were all the new ideas about, you know, maybe you don't have to meet every week for an hour and a half in the middle of the, uh, in the, middle of the day. And we needed to make our Rotary Clubs more accommodating to young working people and to the pace of the world now, which is much faster than it used to be. And inclusive inclusive of families. And we found that there were some conflicts in clubs over those discussions even. And so that, that prompted us to do a turning your woes into wows session at a district training assembly. Eugene, when you started the club, uh, you chartered it. How many Rotarians chartered the club with you? 
you know, there were 30 of us, and five of us were, ori were already Rotarians. You know, some had come, only one had come from another club because the, the, his club's uh, meeting time was all, all, always clashing with his uh, surgery hours. You know, so he joined our club, and then there were some other Rotarians uh, who had, you know, moved from that, from the, that, from a different part of uh, a Central Valley to 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 work in Modesto. So there were, there were five people who were already Rotarians, and then twenty-five people who were new to 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 the Rupi family. But you know, we were also looking for a club that was family-oriented. You know, because I do have four for children. So being new to Modesto, coming from Ghana and being new to Modesto and, and not having any family members here in this part of the, of the world, you know, every Rotary event, you know, we all took our, our children along. So our children grew up attending Sunrise Rotary events and all the activities and district conferences, Rotary International Conventions. You know, and that really formed them, gave them the ideal of service and how to relate to people and as far as communication was concerned. So, we, so we're also looking for the, how do we replicate this experience that my children have got growing up so that other people in the community will have that forum where their children will become Rotarians, even growing up. So that was one central element of you know why the need for a different kind of club a club that will be family-based but still keep the old uh, trappings of my former club which was a very hands-on club so basically a flexible family-oriented hands-on rotary club and that gave birth to modesto flex rotary are there any other club culture items i mean do you have a different do you meet four times a week or, or what else uh, about the club's different than the other clubs in the area? So like Pastor Governor Liz Hosma was saying about how do you make Rotary more, how do you make Rotary to be able to adjust to current lifestyles, busy lifestyles. So we decided to meet twice a month, you know. So the, the first Thursday of the month was always a fixed meeting. And then we, we have a second meeting, which could be on any day of the, of, of the week. So it could be on a Saturday morning, it could be on a Wednesday afternoon, it could be on a Friday evening, based upon what we're doing. If there was a, maybe a social event, like going to an art studio to do some painting class, it could be on a Friday evening. If we had to go to a shelter to go paint shelves, like we did this Saturday, then it could be a Saturday morning. If it, could, if it was a, a midweek event where we had to go to a school, maybe plant flowers, then it could be on a Wednesday afternoon. So I mean, that second meeting of the week it always varies, but there's always a fixed meeting the first Thursday of the month where everybody can look forward to, you know. And uh, of course, the attendance was flexible. So, I mean, you don't have to make both meetings. You can just make one meeting. At, I mean, then also there was no, like, no meals, you know, and no fines as well. So that make it also cost, very cost friendly in that you don't have to buy a meal at a meeting. So Liz, your club was the sponsor club. Uh, what was it like uh, getting this new club set up? Was there any pushback or uh, how, how easy was it? There wasn't from my club, but uh, when Eugene originally floated this idea around the district, there was pushback. And district leadership, some of them, and some clubs were very 
uh, threatened by this new idea. And when we really looked at that, it really boiled down to that they were afraid that Mestoflex would be really charismatic and poach their younger members. Um, and so Modesto Flex board talked about that a long time and decided that they weren't going to accept transfer members until they had been separated from their Rotary Club for a period of time because they wanted to be good community partners. And uh, as time went on, some of the biggest naysayers have become their biggest champions. At one early get together we had, uh, it was Modesto Flex and they invited a bunch of district people and it was a meeting, but it was also a big celebration. And one of the guys who had been really negative about having a Modesto Flex Cup came up to me. He says, you know, do you feel the energy in this room? And I said, yeah, I do. And he goes, I think we just need to sit down, shut up and get out of their way. So it really turned um, uh, along the path to becoming a club. And Series Rotary was happy to, to have some new energy and um New, they bring new life to our club too. So we're, we're happy with our association. And so how long did it take from the time that Eugene said, hey, I think I want to start a Rotary Club to actually chartering? Well, I guess you could say that it was about a year because if you look at the time that we, we took to sort of, uh, if you add a time that we had a concept, you know, from the concept to the finish, you know, it took about a year because we, we really set out to, you know, do a lot of listening, you know, within a community. We, we, we even spoke to people who were not even part of the Rotary family, you know, people from other service clubs. We asked them, why haven't you joined a Rotary club? You know, if you had a chance to form a Rotary club, how would you form it? I mean, what would you like to see in that club? You know, what, what would you not like to see in that club? You know, and why did you leave your club? And, and what made you leave? And and what will make you go back, you know, and what do you like about your current club and why have you stayed in your club all these years? So we, you know, we didn't do anything that was to me very original, you know, and we borrowed a lot from other clubs around the world. You know, one good thing that I write down is that every month, if you look in the, in the retail magazine, there's always a page about club, in, club innovation and, and then from our clubs. So over time, there were ideas that we stole from New Zealand, from Australia, from New Jersey, you know, from Africa. I mean, where I come, I mean, from, from, from clubs in Africa, you know, from clubs in, in, um, in uh, I, I saw an idea about Friends of, of Rotary from a club up in, um, in, in British Columbia about how to have Friends of Rotary who wouldn't be ordinarily part of, I mean, day-to-day -day Rotarians, but then they will sponsor the club for a fee, and then you could use that money to subsidize younger professionals who might not be in a position to pay their dues. So we got ideas from all over the place. So it's a question of being humble and knowing that you don't know it all and then uh, and, and reaching out. And also, I might say that even people outside of, people outside of our district, you know, people in, 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 in other districts, say like in uh, Oregon, People in, um, I reached out to people up, up in San Francisco, other people who had gone through similar processes. They, they were all very eager and very happy to share with, with you their best practices. So, this was a club that I think so, so many people had a hand in it. You know, I remember driving to Reno to attend uh, a, a membership seminar from District 5190, 
And I learned a lot. You know, I learned from a club in Pollock Pines that you could actually have two different days of the week as a meeting day. You know, and I was blown away. I said, wow. So you could meet for one day on a, on a for one week, you, you can meet on a Wednesday afternoon. And then on another week, you can meet on a Monday morning just to accommodate different schedules. You know, so I think as Rotarians, the more we learn from other people, you know, the more we can do for our own clubs. Liz, what's the relationship between your club as the sponsor and this new club? Do you work together on projects or are they just kind of out there on their own? Oh, we've had board members come to our board meetings and sit in with their person, like community service chair and community service chair, and um, just sit in to learn about running board meetings. A lot of these new members haven't been on a board or haven't uh, been a part of Rotary. So there's been a lot of education. I think that's been our biggest component. Uh, we were knee deep in planning for a, a joint fundraiser between Modesto Flex and Series Rotary. When COVID hit, we we're going to do a dueling piano event and we're really kind of excited about it and we're going to hopefully revamp it as we come out of COVID. Um, one of the things we appreciate is our club's a little bit older and Eugene's club is a little bit younger and we like people who can still work. <laughs> They've been really good worker bees. So um, it's a good relationship. We enjoy watching them grow. Tell me, Eugene, what was the most surprising part of this experience? I must say that there was a lot of surprising parts to it. Initially, I thought it was, it was going to be easier. You know, it, was, it, it turned out to be much more difficult than than uh, because you thought, wow, if you had people, if you have a, you know, a club that doesn't have, you don't have to pay for meals, there's no fine, you know, people will be flocking through the door, you know, but it wasn't like that. You actually had to go out there and work <laughs> and work to convince people. So I was, I was kind of, uh, you know, I found that a little bit uh, surprising i mean and truly even as a past district governor and and i had worked to charter a previous club um i expected it to be easier i was surprised it really you know people say oh the new push is now to join or to form new rotary clubs and it's a lot of work it really is it's it's a lot of time and energy so yeah. it was that was surprising to me too eugene so uh, knowing that it's took you guys some effort. Uh, would you recommend that others uh, start Rotary Clubs? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But then, uh, but then, you know, the new club must not be formed just to compete with the existing clubs or to be better than, the, the, than, than an already existing club. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it should be formed, at least to, to my mind, to meet a group that is not being served by, by, by the current clubs. So it could be a demographic, it could be a course, you know, like a, an environmental course, or it could be, that club should be geared towards uh, serving the needs of uh, a demographic or a geographical people who are not being represented by a club, you know. And when you do it that way, then the club, the new club must have a clearly defined mission so everybody coming to the club knows that this club stands for this chartering principle. That helps uh, in the forming the club and then in, in having a, a character, you know, for that club. Yeah, those people who set out to be champions for for a club. Well, every club needs a, a champion, a pied piper, you know, who you know play this pipe for for folks to you know dance to. So, um, but they will need a lot of support 
in taking this new terrains to like training events because that was a very big part of something that Liz and I were big advocates for, that these new Rotarians or would-be Rotarians or even prospectives. We took a lot of prospectives to district training events like district assembly, leadership assembly, membership and foundation seminars. You know, those are very good places to inculcate the ideas of Rotary into would-be members. You know, and when, when they go to these events and they see the fellowship between various Rotarians and the various vocations present, you know, that's, that always, you know, makes them to take that decision to cross the line and become Rotarians. And Liz Hosmer and all these wonderful people were able to give us those resources. So you need a, a cater of, uh, of, of, uh, of people who actually give you the push and the ideas. And the, sometimes you might even feel like, you know, th throwing a towel. You know, so sometimes you needed somebody to give you that emotional support, that intellectual support. Like, hey, Eugene, I went down that same road and I nearly threw in the tail, but come on, you are always there. You are almost there. And then just push a little bit harder. You know, so those kind of cheerleaders, they were very helpful, you know, because this club, it, it took a village, you know, it took a big village of people. I was also surprised that people who I thought would not be, would be very helpful, like, I did have friends who were returns in other clubs who I would call them and say, hey, I don't have a CPA in my club, but you are a CPA or you own a CPA firm. Is it possible that you can advocate for us and introduce one of your associates to our club? And we ended up getting a lot of members through that way. You know, so I think um, that's one area that maybe I was surprised by. I didn't think much of in the beginning. But I think there are a lot of trainers out there who are very willing and ready to help form new clubs as long as somebody goes out of their way to approach them. I think that's where people who are older Rotarians come in. Well, we, we all here talk about younger Rotarians, younger Rotarians, but I think we should find a way to encourage, you know, and then incentivize older Rotarians who have established themselves in their professional endeavors to bring in their younger um, associates, the younger, I mean, I mean, uh, professional people into Rotary. And if we can, you know, sell these ideas to them, they'll be very happy to help us out. And I'd follow up on that, Eugene, because this was a new club with most of the members knowing nothing about Rotary, except what we brought to them in meetings. And, you know, um, Eugene was really adamant that they needed to go to the training sessions. And I'd love to see every district have a budget that sends those new members like like maybe their first two years they're subsidized for all the district trainings uh, so that you know because they don't have the money even if it's only $25 a person sometimes that's too much so um, I think it, it would behoove the district to to districts to um, advocate for those funds to help New Rotarians learn about the heartbeat of, Rotar of Rotary, especially when their clubs look different than ours, because our traditions are really important. Any words of wisdom you have for other people who are looking to start a Rotary club? You know, I'll draw on my experiences in, in Ghana as well. And when I compare that, that as a, I was a, a charter member of the, of the Accra South Rotary Club and also part of uh, Flex. You know, and and the, and the part that series Rotary played, it's always very important to have a very strong club be, be behind you. 
you know, on the form that you sent to Rotary International, I mean, it seems as if that you can, you can do without having a sponsoring club, but it's very, very important to have a sponsoring club and not a mere sponsoring club, but a sponsoring club that is in with you every step of the way, you know, and, and that sponsoring club can have a, a group of people who are dedicated to be the sort of the new club committee and they will attend all the, the new club events, the meetings. So when people come to an event, they, they already have about five people already showed up. And, 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 uh, and, and I remember that in Ghana, you know, we, we, we have this group of people who always be at every meeting and, and they will teach us what the ropes, just like Liz was saying about, it, about the, I mean, the laying of the ropes of what, how, how to conduct rotary matters. So they taught us that and they're always at present at every meeting as well. So even when we don't show up, there's always somebody there. So all we need is about five people and then we, you have these seven sponsoring club members. So you, you have a room of about 12 people already. You know, so that was a very good support for us. And uh, I think uh, that, I mean, clubs here in America could, I'm sure they're doing it like, like Sirius did for us. But that was very, I think that was very important seeing that. And then also try to have a club of diverse vocations, you know, not all maybe bankers or not all pharmacists. You know, I'm a pharmacist, so I, at least I can be beat up on pharmacists. So um, have a diverse club of diverse vocations representing all, you know, you could have a, a tailor, you could have a, a mechanic. You know, there are so many professions within our community that are not represented in Rotary. So if you look at it that way, you know, there's so much room that you can work with, you know, and then also not being a high to each other at the club because uh, people come in and go, some people get excited, they want to be part of Rotary, but then they realize that Rotary is not for them or it might not be a good fit. So you need time for the club to gel. So I would say that even though you can charge the club within a three month period, waiting for about at least about six months you know, is a good idea. And then you might say that, well, you, all you need is just 20 members to charter, but then chartering about 25 to 30, to me is a, is a, is a better thing to work with. If I were gonna do anything different, I would have not just had one advisor, like as their club advisor, I should have built a committee of maybe three past district governors that we shared this, uh, the whole build up to the charter and then after. Um, because one person doing my club stuff and then doing, you know, district stuff and then doing flex stuff, that was too much for one person, but it, we were knee deep in it by the time I kind of figured that out. That would be a recommendation I'd make. Well, Eugene, Liz, thank you so much uh, for taking the time today to share with us and kind of explaining how uh, a, a champion and an advocate can get together and form a new club in a district uh, and uh, still maintain that relationship across the clubs when the new club comes out. Uh, it sounds like you guys are doing some great things there in California, uh, and I'm sure we'll hear more to come. Uh, so uh, thank you again. Thank you, Corey.